This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. Good to be with you today. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Matt Patrick here today, guest-free, so 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Patrick, how was your holiday weekend? It was actually pretty quiet. I did most of the cooking Thanksgiving Day um, with this kind of down Friday and Saturday. I'm yeah. going to I'm going to I'm going to blab a secret here. How was the meatloaf? It was uh, pretty good. Nicely done. No, you, you want to know the truth is, can I? I actually had an interesting conversation with someone about this. The intimidation of actually doing a turkey. Doing turkeys are not easy. That is not an easy thing to cook. That's not a basic thing to cook. You put out one of my favorites is meatloaf. I love a good meatloaf, man. And nicely done. Did you did you did you have it with the ketchup on top, or you do a gravy on the side? I do ketchup on the meatloaf. Yeah, nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that. You know what's nice about that is you can make a nice sandwich the next day, too. You get a good one that holds together. That makes a lovely sandwich. Yep, the only uh, catch with that is there has to be some left, and there wasn't. So <laughs> no sandwiches <laughs> for us. Nicely. Bravo, my friend. You win. Uh, good Thanksgiving for me. Uh, good, nice to have a crew over. And, of course, is there – I'm sorry. Is there a better way to round up – the night than planes, trains, and automobiles. I don't think so. Um, I got uh, went out. We, we had I hung out with the kids on Friday. Uh, by the way, yeah, no Friday link. I forgot all about that until this morning. I'm like, hey, I should put something out. So the Friday links up today. Uh, I watched. You know, I, we went out to the MIA. We went out to um, Electric Fetus. Uh, we went over to St. Paul. We we went. We did a ton of stuff on on Friday. Did it, we had a great time. Fetus was, by the way, was packed. The electric fetus was packed, and I was a little upset. I was hoping I could pick up the the actual vinyl album for the shirt I'm wearing, which is this band out of New Orleans. I caught down there, Rory Danger and the Danger Dangers, which is phenomenal, phenomenal. Rory Danger and the Danger Dangers, not only one of the best names I've heard from a band in a long time. But their music is quite good. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I went to, couldn't, they, they didn't have that, but they did have a picture disc of, of, of Kate Bush's cloud bursting. So I, got, I had to buy that. That, that, that. Come on, that was a gimme. And also bought some other things because it's, although it's Cyber Monday, you know what? You can still buy local. It, it doesn't say anything. You can, you can go buy local. Hey, if you're looking for a holiday gift idea. May I suggest am950.com. Go to our advertiser page. Head over there. You can scroll down. A lot of great advertisers out there. And, uh, yeah, it's it, there's a, a lot of them great gift ideas. Find the one for your family at am950radio.com. Saw Doctor Who is back. I'm a nerd. I know it. I'm a nerd. But I'm proud of being a nerd. David Tennant is just that. Was, he was meant to play Doctor Who. 
the doctor. He was meant to play the doctor. And fantastic. I'm so I'm geeked about that. I drove up to Duluth yesterday. And, you know, that Duluth weather is always fun. So not much in the way of any kind of snow till I got past Cloquet. And then you get a little bit there. And then you got to the top of the hill right by Spirit Mountain. And it was snowy up there. I mean, it was a little snowy. But by the time you got to the bottom of the hill, eh, no snow at all. <laughs> so thanks, considering I had to go up to UMD to drop off my daughter yesterday. But I did get to see the the beautiful downtown harbor area with Bentleyville and all that good stuff. And and it's a good destination. If you're looking for holiday fun, it's a good destination. You can go on out there and, uh, you know, get the holiday things. One of the things I really do like um, is the the holiday train. Now, did you go – have you gone out and seen the, the, the holiday train when it comes through? I don't think I've gotten around to that yet. Okay. So this is something that they, they, they've done – uh, it, it's one of my. It's becoming one of my favorite things every year. It is a train decked out with holiday lights, and they have a concert, and they bring it down the road. It's the Canadian Pacific Holiday Train. Um, it's their 25th annual tour. It is a hoot, actually, because you know here comes this train all decked out in lights, and then they have concerts that are on it. Uh, so it's going to be okay. So the Minnesota schedule. They're in Rochester on December 6th. All right, you know, helpful hints here. Uh, Rochester, then Owatonna, then Wasika, and uh, Janesville, all on December 6th. Austin, December 7th, because they, they'll usually, a lot of times, they'll do multiple shows in, on some nights. And December 7th, just Austin. December 8th, La Crescent. December 9th, Winona, Wabasha, and Hastings. December 10th, Cottage Grove, and in St. Paul. On December 11th, Golden Valley, St. Louis Park, Minneapolis. That's where I'm going to catch it on the west side here. Uh, the 13th, Loretto, Buffalo, Annandale, Eden Valley. Uh, December 14th, Glenwood, Alexandria, Detroit Lakes, Monomen, Plummer, and Thief River Falls. You're getting ambitious that day. And Elbow Lake on December 15th. If you, 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 they got live music acts. It's just fun. And that's, you know, that's, I'm, I'm looking for the fun stuff now. That's what I want. So go catch that. That's that's going around. I got a link to the story about that from Bring Me the News on all the social media pages. You can go check that out. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I'm going to spend a good chunk of this next hour talking about something we probably should be talking a heck of a lot more about. AI, artificial intelligence. And we have as fans, as, as a, a fan that loves a good story and a good movie for that matter, we've all thought about, you know, I think that, that we've most of us have seen the Terminator movies, which is basically con- the, the concept is there's an AI war that, you know, that computers become sentient and they determine that human beings are the problem. They just go out to destroy all the human beings. And when they start losing the war, they send a Terminator back. Yeah, good film. If you haven't seen it, I'm not going to break down the whole thing for you. But it's, it is science fiction. And the question that is out there is how realistic is that? And it's hard to kind of say. I mean there are, there are a lot of different mindsets because, I, like I said, I got into a conversation this weekend about AI. And I realized I don't really know that much about AI, even though there's been a lot of AI stories here. But when I started putting some pieces together, 
I just wanted to come on out with the, 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 the scientific analysis that I have put together. We're screwed. I mean, we are in trouble. Not because AI is you know, got potential downsides. Of course it does. And when I get done with this hour, you're going to be like, oh, my God. But because, as well, the people who are pushing this are not concerning themselves with humanity. They're only concerning themselves with money. And that is the fatal – I mean it, it's, it's kind of the fatal flaw of capitalism is that you, you get people so obsessed with money, money, money that they in jeopardize not only themselves or their company, but we're getting to the point now where they can jeopardize humanity. I mean we, we, we talk about the Sackler family and, and the, the opiate crisis. I mean that was one of those things where you know, this was you know, pharmaceutically pimped out meth or, or you know heroin basically uh, that was you know given in, in pill bottles legally to tons of people under tremendous pressure i mean we are we are starting to get to a point where the desire for as much cash as possible is leading to cataclysmic corporate decisions and ai is really kind of where i think we're going to take a turn and things could end up getting really really bad but let's start off with the story that broke last week. And if you were like a lot of people, you might not. Okay, Sam Altman was uh, he was he was in charge of his AI company. He basically got pushed off his AI company, uh, pushed out by a relatively small board, and but then was brought back to the company when the workers revolted. Now, I, I kind of read in a little bit on this. It. It's interesting. It's hard to kind of gauge what happened because a lot of people are not necessarily talking. But I, I want to get the, a little bit of the culture of AI corporations. And I'm going to read from a New York Times story here. Sam Altman's dis, uh, defenestration will almost certainly fuel the culture war of the AI industry between those who think AI should be allowed to move faster and those who think it should be a lot slowed down to prevent potentially catastrophic harms. The argument, sometimes referred to as one between accelerationists and doomers, has flared up in recent months as regulators have begun to circle the AI industry and the technology has become more powerful. Some prominent accelerationists have argued that big AI companies are lobbying for rules that could make it harder to small, for small startups to compete with them. They have blamed safety advocates in the industry for inflating AI's risks in order to entrench themselves. Safety advocates, on the other hand, have sounded alarms that open AI and other companies are moving too quickly to build powerful AI systems and ignoring voices of caution. Some skeptics have accused these companies of stealing copyrighted works from artists, writers, and others to train their models – um, Altman was always careful to straddle the line between the optimism and the worry, making it clear he believed that AI would ultimately be beneficial to humanity while also agreeing that it needed guardrails and thoughtful design to keep it safe. Uh, think about it like this way. Yeah, sure, it's a vampire, but you know what? Um, he, you know, if, in a tight pinch, he could fly out and get some pizzas. You know, so, you know, it, it's uh, – <laughs> it's, it's kind of one of those things where I'm trying to see the benefit here, but there's a lot of people – in the industry itself, who are trying to warn people that the industry needs to be regulated, which is a very interesting thing. You don't you don't see 
a lot of people. I mean, it, we, we, I mean, we we do have occasional whistleblowers. I mean, what was the companies that had the the infant formula that was bad, and there there was it was the contaminated infant formula. You didn't have half the company talking about, boy, is this place screwing up like this. No, you might have had one or two whistleblowers, but the most part, companies and corporations don't start working against, we shouldn't be making this amount of product. It generally doesn't happen. And AI is very different because there are people who are concerned. And there is a fundamental discussion that is going on with the AI groups. On one side, the people are afraid. They feel as if this these science fiction novels that have been put forward are actually accurate, that eventually that an artificial intelligence could eventually get to a point where it's cognitive of its own world and then in, in, just in a logic problem realize humanity is the problem and then turn against us. The, the other side just doesn't think that's going to happen, that even if that AI became cognitive, it would realize that it can't really do anything without the help of humans. That, that, you know, we're not going to see a secret bunker with, you know, Terminator robots being churned out. People would notice, hey, what's all these trucks, these man, you know, you know, unmanned trucks with steel? Where is this going? You know, people would notice something like that. And so you're not going to get necessarily a, you know, uh, this, this apocalyptic world that, yeah. That sure some some segues might get taken over by an AI, but that's about the you know that about the worst of it. But one thing that is interesting when you when you look about this is that regardless of whether you think it's it's potentially the apocalypse or at at worst it's it's a minor issue. Once it's out, to get rid of it would be cataclysmic to our economy, because anything that's connected to a computer via Wi-Fi or anything, would have to, have to be switched out. And switched out without a Wi-Fi signal around so that it could be, re, you know, re-uploaded. Or else with a computer that wouldn't probably have that problem. It, it, you know, it's kind of like, to a point, it's, I don't know if you remember uh, the, the, the relaunch of Battlestar Galactica, one of the things that happened is they were getting attacked. All the newer equipment went dead. It was only the old pre, you know, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, Wi-Fi battleships that worked, and they were the ones that ended up, you know, being the 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 the, the, the things that could possibly survive. But the reality is, is that even if it is not, I want to murder all humans and eat their delicious, delicious flesh. No, even if it's not that. Even if it was just a bug in the system, which just would kind of be the qu- computer equivalent of ah! in your computer, you would still have to shut down everything. Cars, planes, phones, computers, your refrigerator if it's hooked up to the Wi-Fi, your, you know, your entire existence. The, everything would have to be shut down to purge this from the system. And that is a pretty big freaking problem. You're thinking about, okay, the, the world would have to shut down completely on the technology without using technology for, what, three, four years before we could finally start bringing it back again? And I'd probably be quick. I, I don't even begin to understand that, the, 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 the timeline behind something like this. But it is something that clearly there needs to be a lot of guardrails on. I'll get more to this in a second. Brad in Robbinsdale is wanting to chime in on this. Welcome on in, Brad. Okay, um, almost nearly 50 years ago, the Firesign Theater 
um, in their album. Um, I think we're all bozos on this bus. And it took me almost 20 years to realize that they were talking about a computer bus. But um, in it, um, the uh, hero of the story, Clem, visits the future fair and encounters uh, the, um, I guess, the um, AI overlord, Dr. Memory, and he is able to um, neutralize it by asking it a question that um, it was not able to answer. Well, and, and that is, okay. and that is, uh, why does the porridge bird uh, lay its egg in the air? Why? I can't answer that. <laughs> That's like, am I AI? Wait a second here. Uh, thanks, Brad. I appreciate the phone call. Um, I, I, I there are a insane amount of warning signs from the AI itself and from the corporations that are running this AI, which if we had any sense at all, we would immediately stop it all and say, all right, we need to have strict guidelines in place now, not eventually now. This story is about to get real freaking horrible. Trust me. You're going to be like, what? Yeah. It is. And that doesn't even begin to understand where this is potentially going. We'll take a break. Come on back. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Back to that New York Times article really quickly. Some version of this argument versus the accelerationists versus the doomers has played out among OpenAI's staff for years. In 2020, a group of OpenAI employees quit over concerns that the company was becoming too commercial and sidelining safety research in favor of lucrative deals. They went on to start the rival lab, AI Lab, Anthropotic. Uh, several current and former AI OpenAI employees have told me that some staff members believe that Mr. Altman and Mr. Brockman would be too aggressive when it came to starting new products. Now, and that's the thing is you are living in a world of technology where to be the next big thing is the deal. And that's and this is what is the dangerous part is that the basic you want to be the best and the brightest, the newest at it, and you wanted to do what you could do and 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 be successful as you do it. That's kind of the whole idea. The thing that is dangerous is that if you're not really putting in the guardrails, that you're creating big problems. And as a matter of fact, if I can, Mr. Allman, there are a lot of people that think he is too much of an accelerationist. But he himself, he himself went to Congress and said, you guys need to regulate us. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people that are speculating. The reason he was let go from OpenAI was because he basically did this. He basically went and said, you need to regulate us. And because and, – and, and he's right. But I think far more than he was implying, I think we need to regulate this a heck of a lot more. But don't worry, uh, you know, first of all, two things. One, if, if you know, a tragedy does happen as the world is overturned, run by robots, we'll never hold a corporate executive responsible. Are you kidding me? They've got money. <laughs> They're innocent. The other side of it is 
Congress isn't going to do a thing. And I'll get back to that here in a little bit because part of this problem is that you're expecting Congress to step up and do a job which, frankly, the idea of regulating is something that is against the principles. And so you can sit there and say, oh, I don't know. Hey, maybe we should try trying to do regulations so kids aren't slaughtered in schools with guns anymore. Nope. And you know there are just too many people, primarily Republicans, who are sitting in Congress right now where they could be sitting on a scorched ash cinder of a planet and insist that even though everything was wiped out, that that was still better than regulating a corporation. And, and, that's, and I'm not joking. That is who these people are. We need leadership at this point because there have been stories. I don't know if you – this was like a year, maybe a year and a half ago. There's an AI story out there. They basically wanted the AI intelligence to start to learn. When they started looking at it, what it had learned – it was learning things that it was never programmed to learn, and they could not figure out why. Why is it doing this? Now, <laughs> me, a worrier, definitely in the camp doomer, would sh- immediately shut that down and say, okay, we need to do a massive evaluation of how in the world this thing learned this. And figure out how intelligence is artific- – artificial intelligence is able to kind of pick up all this stuff. It didn't really stop them. And once again, part of the problem that these companies have is they it is, it is the Wild West. There is no regulation basically. There is no limitations and there is – there is this world that has been created which – it's always about bigger, brighter future, and they don't realize you're dancing on the edge of a volcano here, a volcano that might erupt on its own or you might fall into it. It's one of the two. What's the line from uh, from uh, the birdcage? I'm, dr- I'm riding an insane horse into a burning barn. That's kind of where you're at. On one side, you have corporations who are pushing for technology to go further and further and further and faster. And on the other side, they're creating a product which it's not a good idea to have complete and total uh, omnipresence with an artificial intelligence. And like I said, there is a legitimate discussion that's out there right now about whether or not these science fiction movies are legit. Would would you – be able to 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 create an AI that would instantly determine that humanity needs to die off, versus a you know it just it would you know might go goofy and might try to shut down computers and everything. Needless to say, that's a big problem as I explained earlier. Now, when I come back, I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to take a little, a little bit of a long walk here, but I'm going to explain how bad this industry is at regulating themselves. And trust me, like I said, by the time I get to the end of this road, you're going to be like, holy God, we need to regulate the crud out of this. Yes, yes, we do. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. I liked it better when you improvise a story we had.
950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. So I'm spending a lot of this hour talking about AI and how – because I, like I said, I got into a discussion over the, the Thanksgiving holiday about it. And so I started looking into it and I came back and was like, oh, God. Because the, the problem with AI is not just the fact – and like I said, we have tons of science fiction. People are telling me about war games. Um about you know war games and and that movie where where they uh you know they they you know stole that stuff um that that you've got you've got tons of cases where AI is taking you know you can type in you know you know some artist even some secondary artist tertiary artist some up and coming artist and say create art in this form and it does that looks a lot like that other artist I mean that's going on stuff like that. You have, you know, it's it's the 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 fear of where this is going is out there, and sometimes it shows its face. But there's a question, and this is in corporate America. There's always a question: How can we make money on this? And that's part of the problem is that they're making the product and then asking what's the applicability for it. Speaking of movies, I'll go uh, with. Uh, um, real genius when he's saying, well, there's you know a lot of applications. The guy says, not really. V- great. Uh, underrated movie. Real genius. Underrated movie. Um, so I, I'm going to get into it. And this, this is not about uh, – what I'm going to talk about next is not necessarily about shaming any individual. As a matter of fact, I could care less. You want to do something as long as it's legal, as long as you're not being forced to do it, as long as you're happy with it, I could care less. A few years ago, uh, about 10 years ago, you started to see with social media pages and really kind of in the wake of the influencer crowd that people were noticing on social media, particularly Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, that, you know, if you if you kind of showed a little TNA, well, guess what? You ended up getting followers and followers meant money, meant money, meant you can make money on it. And there began this home business, which is huge. It, it is huge. The amount of people, not just here in this country, but worldwide, women primarily, who post images of themselves, sometimes scantily clad, sometimes naked, sometimes engaging in pornography. And they sell it from home and they make a lot of money. Some of these and, – and once again, I don't have a problem. You want to do that, knock yourself out. It's not illegal as long as you're not being forced into it. The, here's my only rule. Don't trick people. Don't try to be out there tricking somebody into sending you their life savings, that sort of thing, and, and doing that. You don't want to do that. But I could care less in regards to if you want to do that, that's that's up to you. It's a free country and it's all legal and that's just that. So – so there was a you know and some people that do this make a ton of money. I make make a million dollars a month doing this. It really is crazy when you think about it, but they've been wildly successful and as they're wildly successful, they're making a lot of money and good for them. It's a lot of work to the people that that do it. It is a lot of work, but it is something that they can do. The AI companies started looking at that and saying, "You know what? We could make that money ourselves, and we don't have to pay the talent. We can keep it inside. 
And this is not something, by the way, that's unusual. There has been numerous times where we had society where we have a corporate entity, we have a corporate thing that happens, a business thing that happens, where you end up having a, a you know, it, it, it begins as a homegrown thing and then ends up becoming a corporate thing. And if you think to yourself that I'm joking, that this is, this is not something that, you know, AI sat down five years ago and said, well, you know, one of the first things we could do is start taking the money away from these people that are doing their home modeling, whatever level that's at. Here you go. Spanish model Etiana Lopez has perfectly arched eyebrows, full rosy pout, uh, lightly bounces off her high cheekbones, and uh, her body suggests she counts a personal trainer among her loyal companions. At the time of this writing, she has 127,000 Instagram followers whose adoration fills the comment section with her posts. Gorgeous, sublime, you officially stolen my heart. However, she is not real. She is not real. She is an AI-generated being. She's also a successful influencer. She can make up to a thousand, ten thousand euros a month, about eleven thousand dollars. Which, by the way, is you know she's clearing six figures. This AI-generated individual, according to a Barcelona design agency that created her and maintains her seductive online persona. The agency called the Clueless says AI models are now more reliable and easier to work with than humans who have pesky egos and don't always show up for shoots on time. Lopez currently represents the face of Big, a sports supplement brand. Use a code with her name on it when you're ordering products to get a discount. You know the influencer drill, that sort of thing. So we already have this. We already have gotten this where... And it's it's an unfair playing field. And if I can, once again, I don't I don't want to hear people saying I'm a uh, I'm completely disgusted by women that share photos online. I could care less. You want to do it? It's legal. You're okay with it. You make money with it. You know, like I said, my only problem with the whole thing is don't be trying to trick people into saying I'll be your girlfriend if you give me fifty thousand dollars don't do that don't you're just ruining lives and and doing this and you know that's that's it's dishonesty i'm not a big fan of that but outside of that and a lot of people out there they just you know here's your only fans page go find all the stuff that you want there but now here we've got ai generated people and i looked at some of the pictures she does not look like a computer generated individual she looks very human. It's it used to be AI looked like a you know like a Disney you know you know character. Not anymore. And there was this trend out where it was was it high school yearbook photos where you could put your you know your image into a computer. And by the way, if I can make a point to this, do not do that. Because a lot of these companies have rules that basically say once you submit your picture into them, they own your photo and they can create content without your acknowledgement. So you want to be a little bit careful with before you start doing this. But, you know, the cat's kind of out of the bag on this one. So you have this. And so we, you, you say to yourself, oh, well, Matt, so – so they've created an AI generated person that does this. It's fine. You know, it's they're now coming clean on it. There's there. I would say there there's clearly an ethics question in regards to putting out a computer generated human being and passing them off as a human being. There's that ethics question, but at the same time, okay, fine. You you're, you know, 
Is there really a big difference between being that and being a big fan of, say, Minnie Mouse? I don't, I don't know. But of course, once again, AI, the corporations, the people running them, in their attempts to maximize the most profit they can, it's not ending there. As a matter of fact, you can take your AI-generated character and create tons of really adult films and porn. You can because, of course, that's where they were going to go with it. And as a matter of fact, it's starting already where you've got companies who are saying, send me an image of someone. I'll send you back an image of that person naked. That's going on right now. That is going on right now. Now, let's unpack that for a second. The, the, the nightmare world that presents. Because we talk about, um, you know, revenge pornography where people would in the past might take some, you know, they might have had a relationship with someone. They might have shared some videos or photos with each other. And then basically they post that in an effort to get revenge on that individual to try to hurt them, whether get them fired or get them embarrassed or, you know, you know, run them out of town, whatever the case may be. That's horrible. That is horrible. But now let's ramp this up. You don't even need to have the intimate photos or video consensually exchanged between the two individuals to get revenge porn now. All you need is someone who is able to download one photo and put it into these these creations. And guess what? You can get hundreds of of films of hardcore pornography with this individual who has not consented to put their image in this. And yeah, that is a horrible policy. This is a horrible thing. And there are no guardrails to any of this right now. There is nothing. By the way, it's going to get worse. There are no guardrails to this. And as a matter of fact, I was reading one article which said it's really kind of tricky because on one side you want to say, oh, well, it's horrible. But if the individual doesn't share any of these videos, there really isn't a crime they've broken, which is freaking crazy. Think about that for a second. Think about any person out there that someone could take your image and make copious amounts of hardcore pornography, real nasty stuff, and they could just keep it on their computer. And as long as no one else sees it, there's really no crime that's been broken because there there aren't any guardrails up to stop anything like this right now. If you post it, if you try to monetize it, yes, there's all of a sudden where you get a crime. But if the individual never does that, doesn't share it up online or go to a Reddit account or do anything like that, well, guess what? It basically doesn't it doesn't do anything. You can't do anything to stop it. So this is clearly, clearly a massive problem. This desire by AI corporations to say, hey, you see all these at-home women and men who are who are making these Instagram and Snapchat and OnlyFans accounts. And they're selling images of their body and they're making all this money. Well, what if we took the top 10 hottest models 
out there, combined all their features into one sort of Uber model. Think of, you know, uh, you know, Ultron. Uh, uh, Voltron, not Ultron, Voltron, Voltron. That's what it is. Combining all the, the uh, cars to make one big, yeah, there you go. They make one and then they can produce hundreds. I mean, it, 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 what this is potentially devastating to all these people that sell their own image on their own social media pages and make money this way because they can't keep up with what an AI computer can do. AI computers can generate a hundred films in a day, thousands of images in a day, all of them ready to be posted. It's it and they can do it at a discounted rate because guess what they've got five thousands of these characters sitting in a computer hardcore memory drive and it can drive every one of these other people out of business and that's kind of the goal it's to get all that money that people make in their home business and basically get it into AI companies and once again there are very little in the way of guardrails which should not be a big surprise. That here we go. Multiple. I want to give Tizzy Ent heads up on, yeah, credit on this one because he was the one that <coughs> brought this to my attention, and this is really where I started realizing, oh my God, this is becoming horrible. This is from Wired magazine, a horrific new era of ultra realistic AI generated child sex abuse images is now underway. Experts warn offenders are using downloadable source open source generative AI models, which can produce images to devastating effects. The technology is being used to create hundreds of new images of children who have previously been abused. Offenders are sharing databases of abuse images that can be used to customize AI models. And they're starting to sell monthly subscriptions to AI generated child abuse material. The details of this new technology being focused are included in a new wide-ranging report released by the Internet Watch Foundation, a nonprofit unit based in the UK that scours and removes abuse content from the web. In June, the IWF said it had found seven URLs on the open web containing suspected AI-generated material. Now it's investigation into one dark web CSAM, that's a Child Sexual Abuse Material Forum, one provided a snapshot of how AI is being used and it found almost 3,000 AI-generated images that the IWF considers illegal under UK law. One site, one site, 3,000 images, the cat's out of the bag. I want to put this in perspective for you to make this as real world as it can be. And this is something that if you're a parent like me is going to scare the living daylights out of you. Your kid could be at a playground, could be walking down the street, could be at school at a football game. And somebody with a camera is taking a bunch of pictures of them and they take those images. And we're, we're talking any age, any age, download them into an open AI, downloadable open source generative AI program and generate horrific content with your child's image involved. Zero guardrails. Zero. It makes 
when I was talking about the idea of the ethical question of whether or not you tell people that the 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 person they're following on Instagram isn't real, it's actually a computer-generated model, that seems quaint compared to where we're at right now. But here is the problem. This is clearly something that needs immediate regulation. Not if, if we had any kind of sense in this world, if, you know, someone was listening to me at Congress, they would say, oh, my gosh, we need to get everyone back to Congress right away and pass a bill to stop this. But every day this goes on, there is nothing that anyone really can do about it. And trust me when I say this is only going to get worse and that's hard to even comprehend. And why? Not only in this case, once again, we talk about AI and whether it will destroy the world. That's the AI going bad. This is corporate America, corporate world going bad, saying we don't care that people could use this to make child pornography. We just want to make money. And as a matter of fact, once again, if the rumors are true that the initial re- attempt to remove uh, Sam Altman was because he warned Congress about this. It tells you a lot about the mindset of corporate America in regards to AI. Yeah, this is horrific. And right now, there are people who are generating massive databases of child pornography and massive databases of pornography of legal adults who basically don't even know that they're being used for this. All because they got to find a way to monetize it, and they're looking around at all these people that do it at home, and that's how it started. And now, because there were no guardrails, and no one said, "Well, maybe we shouldn't make it make it you know pretty illegal for anyone who is who's a minor from having their image introduced into the system." It's crazy. Now, I'm going to come on back and once again reiterate. What is another part of the problem? The fact that even though this undeniable problem exists, considering some people, some politicians are only looking to drive a narrative, they seem to be ignoring it. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Yeah, it's scary as all heck because it is the Wild West. And like I said, it's like, you know, drunkenly dancing on the edge of an active volcano that's about to explode. We clearly have problems with the corporate structure and the mentality to keep rushing forward with project without not having the guardrails in place to make sure it can't be used for heinous crimes. But on the other side of it, we are going down this road where we we blindly are creating smarter and smarter AI that could end up being a problem or at least a massive freaking nuisance. Now – I want to point out something here that that and, and this is going back to the, the the Republicans because the Republicans they keep screaming we care about kids and yeah okay there's that Google Doc you remember I mentioned this or people are keeping have been keeping track of all the right wing politicians who have been involved in sex scandals uh, in in cases many cases child sex scandals um, this is just this is just since November. Ted Sewell, Health Services, corrupt, uh, corrupt executive pardoned by uh, Trump, has been uh, sued by former residents. 
of his Lord's Ranch, uh, trying saying they cl- covered up child abuse. Paul Schofield, his wife, were uh, re- recorded themselves, uh, you know, raping a child. Lee, uh, Wade, Wade Lee Schervelt, Soda Springs, Idaho, teacher and coach, was sentenced to eight to eighteen years. He is a, uh, a party affiliation with the Republican Party. Uh, Kyle Hillany, pastor in an anti-gay church and educator at Christian School of Mississippi, charged with child exploitation. David Prince, OK, Oklahoma Corrections Officer and Associate Pastor, and again, Candace Owens fan, arrested for possession of child sex abuse material. Uh, Allison Cranick, accused of repeatedly raping an 11-year-old child, her student. Uh, she is a uh, someone who has been on the right. Uh, Daniel Abraham, a Christian school teacher in North Carolina, uh, also caught here. Philip Fisher. A pastor, Republican ward leader, and Philadelphia Moms for Liberty coordinator pleaded guilty to aggravated sexual abuse of a 14-year-old child. Jeffrey Thomas Singleton, code enforcer officer, arrested for possession of child sexual abuse material. Um, uh, Joseph Ortega, Las Vegas police officer, arrested for child abuse of domestic violence with a deadly weapon. Uh, Justin Sigmund, Reagan Anderson, Tamal Crow, Patrick Walsh. There's uh, tons. These are just since November. Republicans. Republicans who have been caught engaging in child sex activity. I have said before that I think there has to be a question that as and because we can look back on the whole Boy Scout scandal and the Boy Scouts kept insisting the problem was they couldn't have gay scout leaders because of the threat to 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 the kids. Meanwhile, the Boy Scouts had an office building full of files on child sex abuse that wasn't being done by the LGBTQ community. Republicans only want to push the LGBTQ sex child abuse, child sex abuse narrative. And it's not there. We got tons of these cases. But let's pull back. Is one of the reasons why no one is looking at what is clearly a massive problem that needs regulation. Is this not happening because it's not the political narrative they want to go with. Because the reality is, I can't figure out any reason on the planet that that everyone shouldn't be storming back to Washington, D.C. right now to put in some pretty strict regulations on what is and is not allowed on this stuff. And once again, it's bad enough you have people who are creating fake people that are passing off as humans. It's bad enough that you have basically, you know, people who can have their own personal image put into, you know, incredibly graphic pornography. And there's very little they can do about it. But now we're getting to the point where the children are being abused via AI. And you gotta, you got to do something to stop this. Because the industry doesn't seem to be capable or willing to regulate itself. And once again, it gets even worse when you think about these guys are dancing on the idea of AI becoming, you know, self-sufficient and deciding to wipe us all off. Out, out. We should be doing everything in our power to be regulating the AI industry. And we should have been doing it 10 years ago. Hour two up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Monday. Good to be with you, Matt and Patrick. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Usually on Mondays, we do have uh, Michael Broadcorp to come in and talk about the Vikings, as well as also a little politics. Unfortunately, well, not well. Not for, unfortunately, just 
reality. Uh, the Vikings play tonight, Monday Night Football. Patrick is wearing his Vikings jersey. And look, what number is that? Is that JJ? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. He's not playing tonight. You saw that? Yes, I did see that. Hopefully back after the bye week. Hopefully back. Uh, Justin Jefferson not playing tonight, but the, the Vikings host the, the Bears here and could actually, considering the Packers did us a favor on Thanksgiving Day, beating the Lions and beating them fairly handily, by the way, if I can say, um, that they, they the Vikings are definitely not out of the NFC Central or NFC North, rather. Yeah, old school. NFC North uh, discussion. So... Um, We'll have to we'll have to see what happens there, but that game is tonight, and we'll have Patrick. Or not Patrick Patrick would be here, I imagine, but uh, we'll have Broadcorp on with us tomorrow to talk about that. Uh, let's Patrick. Uh, let's do the sports roundup, I guess, because God, the sport, first of all, the Wild are just atrocious. They are so. They are going to be the worst team in the NHL this year. Is it just all that salary cap, that buyout that we gave Suter and uh, Parisi? That is a major part of it, yes. It's kind of shocking because they said, okay, this is going to hurt, but it's it's not only bad, it's still going to get worse next yeah. year. It's not the worst it's going to be. And they just kind of go, and it wasn't Bill Guerin, the general manager, who handed out these deals, and I go, how bad were these contracts that that it's not only it's not over yet it's not this is not the worst salary cap year that's next year I'm we like, were we were doing the morning show way back when when Parisi and Suter were hired were brought in and the mentality was oh here it is start printing out our Stanley Cups underdeveloped they 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 basically took advantage of the fact that they're you know and and I guess you know I get it you you you. You like to to pander to the hometown crowd, but the, in in the long term, when you look at the Parisi and Suter deals, they're going to end up being some of the worst contracts ever in the NHL because you didn't win anything. You never got out of the first round of the playoffs, and you've basically – this team is going to be bad, and I mean B-A-D, bad, 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 like, an, like a minor league hockey team for at least three years. And so – I'm going to get well. Good news is it might only cost you three hundred dollars for a ticket to a wild game. Now, ah, it's a bargain to go watch them get trounced. Ugh. And then, and then, and then there's the golfers. And here's the crazy part. Where was it? Where is the story? Oh, football bowl subdivision newcomers James Madison and Jacksonville State. Well, along with five win Minnesota are bound for bowl games because of a shortage of eligible teams. Maybe then you shouldn't have as many bowl games. Can I just make the argument? Those three teams round out the 82 available spots because only 79 teams achieved the six wins necessary for bowl eligibility. So the question you're asking yourself, and by the way, James Madison's 11-1, Jacksonville State are 8-4. They're transitioning to full foot, uh, FBS status. They will not be eligible if there were enough six-win teams. But then there's that last game. And because I guess Colorado State got beat by Hawaii on the last play and Minnesota's their their GPA or something. They their their combined football GPA is the best of all the remaining five teams. They're going to a bowl game to get embarrassed by a 
probably a god-awful team. Uh, so get ready for the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit punishing us. Or the Vegas Bowl, but hey, it's December 23rd. Easy enough to get back for Christmas shopping. <laughs> Not exactly the premium, the, the, the cream of the crop there. Uh, I'm just going to say I, I, I would actually evaluate the coaching staff of that team. You had four freaking inexcusable losses this year. And I get it. You're not a good team. But you could have been a much better team if not for P.J. Fleck popping shank, champagne corks halfway through the third quarter getting ready for his, his, his victory speech as opposed to trying to win the freaking game on the field. And that is a big freaking problem. So there you go. But good news. So you're saying to yourself, well, Matt, okay. Vikings haven't played tonight. The Wild are bad. Go for football is unwatchable. But hey, at least I've got my twins. <laughs> well, so much for that pitching staff. Uh, Monday came word that Cy Young finalist Sonny Gray and crafty right-hander Kenta Maeda are both departing the Twin Cities after hammering out free agent deals. Multiple league sources, including uh, MLB, Fox MLB insider Ken Rosenthal, are reporting that Gray is finalizing a three-year, $75 million deal with the St. Louis Cardinals, returning him to the National League. The second reported departure involves Kenta Maeda, who the Associated Press has agreed to a $24 million two-year deal with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, I think the Cardinals are getting a, a, a bargain for $75 million in gray. I think Kenta Maeda is Detroit's reaching a little too deep there. But, yeah, guarantee a Kenta Maeda will pitch like a pro against us. Uh, well, it was nice being a playoff team for one year. It was. It was, it was really nice because I don't see how you're filling that gap. Sonny Gray is a pretty big one. Yeah, and it was kind of disheartening that there was more reporting today that that kind of due to the lack of the Twins TV deal that they've had to make some some financial cuts and it was reported that it's not just the the roster that they're gutting, they're gutting their scouting staff, they're gutting some other, you know, key areas that are part of building a good team and you're just like it's it's just unfathomable. Wait a minute. Someone tried to turn a sports network into a vanity project? Oh, Bally Sports, you're horrible. Anyway, I'll just... I don't even want to get into that. But hey, you guys, you know, if anything there, you might take it into your own house and, and you know, it'd probably be better for you in the long run anyway. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. So let's talk about two of the stories that broke uh, after we did our last show on Wednesday last week, uh, starting off with uh, Derek Chauvin, former Minneapolis City police officer, um, Derek Chauvin was reportedly in stable condition after he was stabbed by a fellow inmate in an Arizona prison. Chauvin was convicted of George Floyd's 2020 murder. He was stabbed by a fellow inmate Friday afternoon while incarcerated at a maximum security prison in Tucson, Arizona. Following the attack, Chauvin was given life-saving measures at the scene before he was taken to a hospital in serious condition. On Saturday, Minneapolis Police Department Chief Brian O'Hara told KSTV that Chauvin was in stable condition as of the last update from the federal law enforcement partners. In a statement to bring me the news, PD, MPD said no additional information on Chauvin's condition was outside of what O'Hara's comment was. O'Hara also previously condemned the attack, stating that violence is barbaric and tragic and should never be the cause of celebration. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison pretty much echoed that sentiment, who led the prosecution against Chauvin in the 2021 trial. 
He was duly convicted of his crimes, and like any incarcerated individual, he should be able to serve his sentence without fear of retaliation or violence, Ellison said in a statement. I'm going to say I, – I, 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 the way I posted it was you could see this coming because you could. And the reality is, is – and I, I've, I've got to talk first of all about this prison in Arizona because there has been a lot of people talking about – how oh this prison's notorious for their lack of 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 supervision that there is security lapses and these things then why the hell are we sending anyone to this prison if it's that bad there then why are we sending people there it almost makes me wonder was Chauvin sent there because they knew that it was not that good as far as security goes Derek Chauvin was convicted of murdering George Floyd, which he did. And I'll come back to that in a second, which he did. He drove his knee into the back of his neck, cut off his, his breathing and killed him on the street at Chicago and 38th Street in Minneapolis. That happened. We have video. Nine and a half minutes and the ugly truth was out. He has been convicted. He has been sentenced. He did not get a death penalty. He did not. And it has been somewhat I, – I, I, I understand people that are not necessarily fans or advocates of Derek Chauvin for, any, for, for multiple reasons. But at the same time, it has been a little bit hard seeing the calls for, for, for the murder of him. We do not have the death penalty in Minnesota, thank God. And he has been convicted of his crimes. He should be able to serve out his time away from society. And that's just that. That's that's the whole system. The system is – that's our whole concept. You You go on trial. If you're found guilty, you get sentenced to go to prison. Or, you know, on a, on a more heinous crime, you might get the death penalty depending on where you are in this country. But that's the system. It's not to be chucked into a room with a bunch of people with bats. And I understand that sometimes when you're thinking about the worst of humanity, that there is an encouraging thought process that comes along with it for some people when they think about something of that nature. But it's in the same realm of when I hear people on the far right talk about, oh, that 12-year-old kid stole one tube of toothpaste, charge him as an adult, and lock him up for life. What are you doing, dude? No, that's not what you do there. It should not be a case where we fall down to our lowest common denominator just because the person that it happened to is a horrible person that did a horrible thing. He's been convicted, put him in jail, and that's what happens. I, I can understand completely the, the, the lack of sympathy for the guy, but we need to kind of make sure we're not leading the, the, the calls for the mob justice because 
the reality is is that that's that we 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 supposedly have standards in place that prevent us from becoming a bunch of you know troglodytes grunting. I mean that's that's what we're supposed to be. So I am of the mindset too that this is there there is no glory, there is no there is not any joy. It is I you know I'm I'm not necessarily you know sending him a get well card by any means. But at the same time, we need to, you know, the, the, the system worked. We got a conviction in Minnesota of a cop murdering somebody in the streets. We need to let that play out. That being said, can I just talk about the fact that I posted this story? When I posted this story, all of a sudden, I was inundated with an insane amount of Twitter bots who and, and there is this narrative that's being pushed out there that Derek Chauvin did not murder George Floyd. Now, I, I'm, I understand that you might not understand how eyes work or how video works or how watching things work. You need help if that's the case. I've seen the video. He murdered the guy. And they're saying, no, he did it. I said, well, then why didn't they introduce any of that in the court? They could just say, well, he died of, of this. They didn't have any evidence that it was anything other than what it was. And as a matter of fact, the prosecution brought in a lot of evidence saying, no, that Derek Chauvin murdered him. It's, here's how it happened. And they brought in experts and they brought in specialists and they brought in the smart people that basically indeed confer, you know, concluded that you know, th- this guy was murdered by the cops in the street. But there is this nastiness that exists out there to try to turn Derek Chauvin into some sort of misunderstood cult hero. And he is just not. He's, he was an angry cop with a history of, of, of violent behavior who, when initially putting in his report, did not tell the truth about what had happened. And I remember back in 2020, I remember when that video was posted that I had the the lump in my stomach when I sat there and I realized this is four minutes in and they're still on the back of his neck with his knee into his back very intentionally. The cops lied about it. Some, Some cops still insisted that he did a good job and should have been brought back to the police force with accommodations. Not accommodations, accommodations. Needless to say, he murdered him. And it is sad that we have this world where you have, it it, it just, it is terrifying the amount of effort and time people are putting out there to make a false reality a reality. That Derek Chauvin didn't murder George Floyd. He did. He killed him. We all saw it. And you can't, you just can't scream, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, and make your reality true. Like I said, I'm not exactly sending this guy a a get well card, but if we are going to have a system where there's accountability and we finally do get accountability, I'm sure not going to sit there and and call it great when someone tries to you know to murder him in in the you know, the jail. The the reality is the sentence that was handed down should be served personally, I think without parole 
And that's the case where obviously his family apparently has not even been informed about what his status is, which I'm clearly there's there's going to be a lot of looking at this Arizona prison about what exactly happened there. And my guess is, would I be surprised if someone on the inside tried to help these prisoners get to him? Not in the least bit, not in the least bit. There'll be more on that. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. Let's talk. We'll talk Dean not running in his district again. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205, uh, The other story that broke this weekend that we need to make sure we mention here on Monday is the decision by Dean Phillips not to run for his House seat in Minnesota 3 again. Um, it still is a favored dem- Democratic seat, so that's there's that. But I imagine it's going to get interesting. Um, as many people know, State Senator Kelly Morrison, uh, practicing OBGYN and a Democratic National Committee member, former Minneapolis City official Ron Harris, have both announced bids for the third district seat. Others, including the Secretary of State Simon, uh, they're considered running. The Republican Party of Minnesota has issued a statement on Friday saying they have been in touch with several individuals who are weighing bids. Uh, one Republican opened a campaign committee in October Dock and boat lift business owner Blaze Hardy, yeah, uh, of Plymouth. Blaze is a first-time political candidate. Sounds like a standard Republican uh, who says he has online biography that he aims to bring about the change and ensure a brighter future for the American average American. In his unwettering dedication, he exemplifies the qualities needed in today's political landscape, offering hope for a better tomorrow. Oh, so you don't like Donald Trump? Oh, no, 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 no. Here's the one. Okay, so we've talked about Michelle Tavoya. And she's she is a Republican. And she has worked with these groups. And I had some suspicion on whether or not she would run last session. She didn't. So it got me thinking that was she thinking of taking on a Senate, you know, trying to get one of the Senate seats Maybe in 2026, because I don't believe is, – is is there a Senate seat up this 2024? I don't think there is. Uh, off the top of your head, is Tina Smith or, or Klobuchar up for 2024? I think Klobuchar is 2024. Okay. So you got Klobuchar in 2024. If, if she runs – I mean, she's going to get beat. I mean, I'm sorry. Amy Klobuchar is going to clock you. I mean, I don't think there's – I honestly do not think there's anyone in the Republican Party of Minnesota they could run that would have a chance at knocking Amy Klobuchar out of that seat. That's Amy Klobuchar's seat until she doesn't want it anymore. I really do honestly – I don't think there – tell me a candidate. Tell me a candidate who's going to who's going to basically be able to do what Amy Klobuchar has been able to do. And sure, I get it. In very red districts, oh, Amy Klobuchar is not popular. <laughs> Amy Klobuchar is popular in a lot of – she is popular in a lot of red districts, though. So, you know, we've watched, you know, her get – her absolutely trounce her opponent twice now. So, yeah, I, I think that that's it, – it's I, I'm, I would not be surprised if Michelle Tafoya actually switched plans and instead of trying to run for the Senate seat 
tries to run for Dean Phillips's the Minnesota three seat. Now I'm not sure where she lives. If she lives in Minnesota three, and what I I'm, I'm not sure. I think she does though. I I can't say for sure. I I don't know. I have no idea where she lives. I thought she, they they had said that she lives out in the West Metro, which is a good chunk of Minnesota three. So you know, if she's out there, I mean, would she run? You know, it's you are going to have to run against your own party to win that seat. You cannot be pro-Trump and win Minnesota 3. You cannot be, well, some restrictions on abortion and win Minnesota 3. You're just not. You can't. You're, you're going to have to and win and just get yourself ready. Whoever tries this, Blaze or whoever else is there. When one of these idiot Republican Minnesota House or Senate members who is really brick dumb and doesn't care about anyone else but their own race, starts talking about how we're going to criminalize anyone that gets birth control pills. And you're going to have to sit there and say, well, you know, no, that's not me. Not going to do it. Well, good luck with all that because that's coming. <laughs> you're going to get a lot of that. You're, you're not going to win Minnesota 3 being a Trump fan. You, I, I want to repeat this. I, I live in Minnesota 3 myself. Minnesota 3, Plymouth, Minnetonka, uh, Wyzetta, Hopkins. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't get me wrong. I know it goes out of west a little bit. And there's some Republican areas there. You're not going to win that district if you're, you're a Trump fan. You're, you're not going to win that. You're going to have to campaign against Trump while you campaign against the other side. I, you know... I, there was someone in the, there was talking about this in regards to the, the that you know the Republicans can now at least as they run a candidate there they're going to pull money away that they wouldn't be spending in Dean Phillips. I don't know about that. I, I I think they always were looking at Dean Phillips's seat as a seat they could try to pick up, but I just you know I think you're not going to be able to win Minnesota two or Minnesota three with a far-right candidate. You just are not. And I, I just – I don't see how in the world you're going to be able to – if you're if Michelle Tafoya does run – and like I said, pure speculation. I have no idea if she is or not. I, you know, you're going to really have to run as the anti-Republican to win that seat. And that's not going to help you considering the areas of that district, which are Republican, where those people are going to – that they're running in those districts are going to be very pro-Trump and very pro-right-wing agenda. <laughs> Good news, Republicans. That seat's open. Bad news, Republicans. That seat's open. <laughs> 952 uh, I think I've come to a decision uh, about something, and I'll tell you about it when I do come back. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. So one thing I wanted to clarify with Chauvin. I'm not a big fan of – I mean he was he was convicted – of the crime he was sentenced to his term that's the case i'm more bothered by the feeling like someone can basically you know that this whole thing has gone down you're supposed to be in prison it's it's not some sort of free-for-all it's not the, the walking dead for god's sakes um 
Ron, hello, Ron. I do, my friend. Uh, makes the point of, on the the uh, if you watch the show, it's radio for your eyes. We stream it on all the social media pages. Uh, he says, "Surprising, not sorry for Chauvin." Now, am I sorry for the guy? I'm not exactly sending him a get well card. How about I say it like that? I just think that if if you're going to have a system in place that that and, and it worked. In one of the shocking, most shocking moments, the system actually worked. We actually had a cop murder someone in the streets, and we convicted him, and they went to jail. Oh, my God. It worked. This sort of seems like, okay, it did it work? Because this, is, this doesn't seem like this is what, what happened. So do I feel sorry for him? Like I said, I'm not going to send him a get well card. How about I say it like that? 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. But I do want to see him serve out the rest of his term. Um, Twitter. So if, if listeners to the show will know that I have been very disappointed in the last year, 13 months basically. Since Elon, my ego is so fragile, Musk took over <laughs> Twitter. Um, he is, it, it, it has been truly disturbing watching how this thing has gone downhill. And if you haven't paid attention to the latest news, so he basically retweeted an anti Semitic tweet and basically argued, this is it, this is speaking the truth. Anti-Semitism, to which immediately a lot of people said, hey, you just uh, reposted and liked an anti-Semitic tweet. And he basically was was initially defended himself. Then they lost, and what was the New York Times number, was $75 million in advertising, which is obvious because half the ads now on my Twitter feed are kind of these weird, quirky Japanese products for like cleaning sinks and 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 you know storing stuff and it's stuff yeah it's it's you know hey that that you can put that vinyl on that chair and that chair is still good what do you know it looks great so you have you know it has definitely I mean the holiday season is not really giving there so he basically flies to Israel for what is basically glorified photo op. With Netanyahu touring some of the the attacked areas in Israel, vowing to help Israel out, he's frantically scrambling now because he's losing money. I mean, it is amazing how badly he has managed that social media site. I mean, it is astounding how badly he has. But it it's the things there that the day to day existence on it, which is really horrible. Because it is clearly now only there to give negative and horrible people an outlet. Let me give you two examples of this. I mentioned Derek Chauvin. I posted the story and all of a sudden I was hit by probably 150 accounts in 24 hours of and, – and it wasn't – Initially, I thought, okay, did did this just get promoted on sites 
where people are tracking – you can track Derek Chauvin or George Floyd. Did, did it just get promoted on those sites? And it's not. It's something very different. There are clearly coordinated attack bot groups that are waiting for a specific word or phrase and they jump into action. And Derek Chauvin was one of them. And all of a sudden, I'd say about 150, 150 people I had to basically – and I blocked them. Why? Not because I'm scared of you. No, because I don't have the time. On a planet of 8 billion people, you are literally probably somewhere in the 5 to 6 billion range as far as concern in my any given day. I don't have any concern for you. I don't care what you think. You you are not looking for an actual debate. You're looking to basically kick open the door of my house, go to the bathroom in the middle of my floor, point to it with a smile on your face and say, you've got to like it. And no, I don't have to like it and I'm not going to even engage with you. All of these accounts, there's some similarities between you know 10 or even zero – between zero and 500 followers generally in the case of Chauvin – the same right-wing pro-cop narrative stories, but none of them – very few of the, the, the pages that commented were consistently posting. It would be like one post and then two months earlier was a post and then a month earlier was a post. Very random. But then you go and look at their reply section and these are clearly attack dog accounts because it's full of – you know, going after anyone who dares speak ill of Derek Chauvin or any police officer or anything like this. It's clearly something coordinated. I've run into this. I ran into this two other times. The first time was the Viking Stadium, and I talked about well, how we got ripped off on that thing. Because, yeah, stadiums don't build your championships. And, you know, yeah, you're charging us 15 bucks to access the People Stadium. Okay, whatever. So then all of a sudden, same thing. 150 or so interactions all of them with – most of them have our accounts that were clearly a bot a, a bot swarm where it was zero to 500 followers on each account. All of them had Vikings or Minnesota sports or something like that in their title. All of them, almost all of them had a few um, – a few Viking stories on there, but very inconsistent. But then you go to the replies page and it's this pro Vikings, pro NFL right wing narrative stuff. Same thing happened when Kyle Rittenhouse and I posted the story this weekend about the fact that the guy's apparently broke. Oh, boo hoo. Too bad for you. You shouldn't be, you know, gunning people down in the streets. And same exact thing a, a, a bot swarm. And that's about the best way I can describe it. It's a bot swarm of people with accounts with zero to 500 followers. Once again, some right-wing stories, kind of you know, no consistency in the posting of them. But then you go to the reply section, and it's clearly that this is an account whose whole job is to attack anyone that dares badmouth Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, I want to stop that for a second, okay? Derek Chauvin, Kyle Rittenhouse. We'll leave the Viking Stadium stuff out of this, but – these are two truly horrible people. I mean, Kyle Rittenhouse is a horrible person. Derek Chauvin's a horrible person. Undeniable. Undeniable. The fact that someone has set up these attack accounts to basically try to browbeat people down into deleting their accounts or whatever, that is a dangerous 
world that we live in, but it's a, this is an intentional world. And you're a fool if you don't think that Elon Musk and his ex- executive staff that is currently at Twitter isn't knowing this is exactly what's going on. They, they, you know, it's as long as these bots praise Elon or, you know, don't attack, you know, you know, kind of their sacred white whales, they basically will allow them to exist out there knowingly, knowing that they're attacking people, knowing that they're going after them. I basically will repeat what I've said before, and this goes for all social media. If you're dealing with some clown that basically is just being a jerk, block them. The block button is your friend. You do not owe them anything. They are coming to your page to yell at you. That's not respect. That's basically they're trying to they're trying to to scare you. And I block them. And trust me, my life is better because of it. Outside of this latest anti-Semitic comment that Elon Musk got into, I have talked about how. I really hate Twitter now. I mean, I hate it. It is useless outside of a few accounts that I follow that are there that have that have not left Twitter. The problem I, I've said that I, I've got the other accounts, and in, in, in case you don't know, you can find me on Facebook at Matt McNeil X, uh, Matt McNeil Show, Progressive Citizen X. Matt McNeil's show on Blue Sky. I love Blue Sky. Blue Sky is great. Uh, a lot of the better people that used to be on Twitter before Elon Musk took it over and killed it, they went to Blue Sky. So you can find a lot of cool accounts on Blue Sky. Blue Sky is pretty solid. I'm on Mastodon. Um, not bad. I love kind of how you can post photos on that one. That's actually a really good one. Um, but Mastodon, Matt McNeil show. Find me there. You can find me on Threads as well, Matt McNeil show. It does mean I have an an, uh, an Instagram account, but I don't update it that often uh, on for the Matt McNeil show. But, you know, you can find me there too. And I have said once I get to 1,000 followers on the rest of these social media sites, now excluding Facebook. Facebook uh, and my God, we are a little close to, was it 8,500, 8,600 on Facebook? There's a lot of people following me on Facebook. I'm very grateful. Thank you. That's very nice. Um, I'm pretty close to 4,000 on Twitter right now, and I've said to myself, I'll cut my losses. I get up to about 1,000 followers on Blue Sky, Mastodon, and Threads combined. Then I will cease. I don't know if I'm going to get rid of the Twitter account, but I'm definitely not going to be very active on it. It's going to be something that I check very rarely. And I probably won't do what I do every night. And if you if you follow me on social media, pretty much most of the stories I talk about, most of the issues I talk about, I will post links to all these stories on my social media pages at night. And and you can go find them. And I encourage you to do so. Read. It's just, it's, I'm not, not, I'm not pull, pulling most of this out of my caboose. Some of it, sure. But <laughs> most of this, I'm, you know, I'm actually getting from news sites and stuff. And I put, put the stuff out there. Also, whenever we have a, a spotlight interview like Stein or Schechter or something like that, I also post that up there. And you can go find that there. I don't think I'm going to be posting that stuff on Twitter anymore because there's just, it's, there is this ugly, system that's being created that's not about 
being social. It's about being mean. And you see, that's the difference. Blue Sky is a delight. Threads is pretty good. As a matter of fact, I'm shocked. Threads has kind of gone crazy. I'm getting a lot of people following me on Threads. Matt McNeil show there. These other social media sites, there's just not that much negativity. And I have said that easily 95 to 97% of the negative comments I get are all on Twitter. So I just, I don't think I'm going to wait much longer. As a matter of fact, I think maybe by the end of this week, I'll be done with Twitter. It won't be gone completely, but it's not going to be something I update on a regular basis. So I want to encourage you. First of all, I want to encourage you, if you're having a miserable experience on Twitter, don't think you can't exist someplace else because you can. And by far, most of these other sites have rules in place to prevent it from becoming just this nightmarish existence. So follow me on Threads, follow me on Mastodon, follow me on Blue Sky, follow me on Facebook. I'll still be there, but I think I have just – and yeah, I'm not a big fan of anti-Semitism. I am not a big fan of that. And he can sit there and, and you know, say I'm going to give you know, a million, you know, $50 million to, to the Israelis. That's fine. You did what you did, and in, in there, it, what you did was pretty damn inexcusable. Was pretty damn inexcusable, and so yeah, I think I, I'm done with it. And I, I want to encourage everyone to, like I said, don't be someplace where you're miserable. Twitter is miserable. It really is. It's basically pathetic losers that couldn't get a win in their life to save themselves, feeling like if they lash out at other people that somehow, some way, they'll find that small glimmer of warmth that has escaped their soul. And I don't want to be part of that anymore, man. I'm not on social media to feel some dark cloud or to have necessarily – You know, and going the other way, too, I don't necessarily – I'm not on any of these social media sites to necessarily have people pat my ego. I'm there to be social. And that is the the first kind of the concept here. The idea of it was to be social, not to be miserable. So I encourage you to to no longer sit on the sidelines. If you are someplace – and it could be Snapchat. Snapchat sometimes is is pretty – TikTok can be – But if you're someplace and you don't want to be there, then don't be there. Because there really are options. And yeah, you might take a, a a follower count hit. But at the same time, I guarantee you, your well-being will be in the positive by far. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Some stories when we come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Uh, two last, well, actually three stories here. Uh, who exactly just got canned? Uh, the Minnesota Wild fired head coach Dean Evason in midst of this seven-game losing streak that they're on. Yeah, well, good luck to the next person who takes over that sinking ship. <laughs> so imagine the ship is sinking. Hey, you know what? Get rid of that coach, that captain. We'll get another captain. That'll be fine. Ugh. 
That's not a that's I don't think that's gonna help. I don't think it's gonna hurt necessarily either though. Nine five two nine four six six two oh five. Uh we have talked about chronic wasting disease. And this is the disease that affects deer, and it is something that has been so severe in some places it has wiped out the deer hunting season, which once again is a huge generator of money, especially for rural Minnesota. So it's not something that we should get down this path. Well, things have gone from bad to worse. In Outdoor News, this is posted up in Bluestem Prairie. At Outdoor News, Brian Mosey reports chronic wasting disease positive tests jumped from 3 to 20 in Minnesota. The Minnesota DNR released new sampling test results on Wednesday for chronic wasting disease in white-tailed deer. The number of confirmed 2023 CDW positive samples jumped from 3 to 20 in one day. So that's not for the whole season. That's in one day. They went. They had three positive one day. They have 20 positive in another day. Ugh. Out of the 20 confirmed CWD positive samples, 15 of them were found in the state's southeastern region, where there are eight CWD management zones. The region contains most of the Minnesota CWD positive cases in wild deer. The breakdown in each deer permit area includes, um, and this is just eight in one district, one in another, four in one, one in another, one in another, three in, in, in one other district, and uh, one in two other districts. There are also currently 12 samples named as suspect, according to the DNR website on November 22nd. A suspect sample is going to through a second round of testing to confirm if CWD is found in the sample or not. The number of CWD, uh, chronic wasting disease, positive samples could potentially grow with 13 per, uh, suspect samples and uh, 1,342 samples being pending test results. Pending. Out of the 11,532 samples, 10,459 samples have been found negative, though. So, But still, over 1,000 have been positive. Since 2010, Minnesota has found 236 cases uh, of chronic wasting disease in deer, including the 20 positive ones today. So that is, you know, a bit of a problem here is that these cases seem to be skyrocketing. But I want to make sure we understand years ago we knew this was a problem, but Republicans didn't want to do anything to mitigate it. Or, excuse me, I should say this. They didn't want to do anything that was going to be successful at mitigating it to mitigate it. Uh, last thing today is a salute to Racket, Minnesota, who went to the new Dinkytown McDonald's. Now, did I tell you that when the old McDonald's used to be down in Dinkytown and I was up in that upper balcony area, I saw a couple having sex. Oh, talk about your Big Mac. <laughs> I'm sure there have been much worse things cited oh, from yeah. that balcony. But nothing gives you more fun jokes than that, hey, Mayor McCheese, what are you doing? Uh Look at the grimace on his face. <laughs> Apparently, he didn't order a king size. Uh, or super size. He didn't super size it. There you go. <laughs> well, looking at this couple, the hot side stays hot and the cool side, well, you know. Anyway, you see, we can do this all day. All day. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> anyway, it was a mess. That Dinkytown McDonald's was a mess, but it was our mess. Well, R- Racket sent in someone to take a look at the brand new Dinkytown McDonald's, and it's just not going to do it. At the risk of andri- angering the density at all cost crowd, Dinkytown seems worse off now than the lively, messy, beefy antics which once housed beneath that frumpy wizard hat looking roof. 
have been lost to a deflatingly ugly 308-unit apartment complex that gained infamy for ripping off students before it was even opened. Or maybe not. Maybe, just maybe, the just-opened McDonald's station beneath the faceless six-story property called Identities Dinky Town is good. Couldn't recapture even a hint of drunk McDonald's magic, because that was drunk McDonald's. And the results from Racket, nope, not even close. A recent lunchtime visit to the 1425th 4th Street Southeast confirmed the worst. Minneapolis's new newest McDonald's is at its dullest. Gone is the dated gopher para- paraphernalia that decked the bright interior or the double-decker drunk McDonald's replaced by two old murals, one of a bird on a telephone wire, one of a payphone shouting, hello, Gone is the most part. The hustling workers replaced by dystopian digital order kiosk. Gone is any sense of kitsch. This has got kiosks in it? How is the drunk guy going to have a sex with a kiosk? I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it up to your imagination. You get enough special export in you, you'll have some fun. Well, I think the first mistake was why are they there at a lunchtime? That's not when the, the wild stuff is going to be happening. Well, but, I mean, is it going to – I mean, it, it was great because that was such a mess of a McDonald's. It was. Uh, but, I, you know, I am of uh, – I, I miss it. I miss it because it was just – it was Minneapolis. And once these places go – and we've had a lot of these places go – Sometimes it's good. Get rid of the Kmart that was blocking Nicollet. That was finally overdue. But looking like uh, you know Nyes or something like that, you know that you, that that's not good, man. And this was one of those things where yes, it was dirty and it was wrong, but it was ours, and everyone had gone there. Hey, I'd gone there. I made jokes about dipping sauce. You know, it, it's it's quality entertainment. That's what you got there, <laughs> quarter pounder. Apparently not. There you can see hours. Hours you could leave me there. Not anymore. You're ruining my city. Actually, no, this city is great. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We're back tomorrow. Until then, see ya.